So there's a guy named Dave who had a horrible memory. And one day he ran into a friend and, and, said, and, and, and said, Hey, Bill, do you, do you remember what a bad memory I had? And, and Bill says, Yo, I, I certainly do. He says, well, it's, it's not bad anymore. See, I went to this, this seminar where they taught us how to remember things, and it was this great seminar, and I have a wonderful memory now. Well, that's, that's great, Bill said. Well, what was the name of the seminar? Well, uh, Dave said, wait a minute. My wife went with me. Let, let me ask her what the name of it was. And so he turns over and sees his wife standing nearby. But then he turns back to Bill and says, Bill, what, what's the name of that flower with the long stem, and the thorns, and the red bloom on top? You mean a rose, Bill said? Yeah, thanks. Hey, Rose, what was the name of that seminar we went to? As you know, there's a lot of people who don't have the best memories, right? Unfortunately, too many of us Christians, too many of us people who follow Jesus sometimes have short memories too, don't we? We forget the victories that God has given us. We forget the great things that God has done for us. We forget the blessings that God has given us. We, we forget the, the miracles that God has performed for us. We forget what Jesus has done for us. And God wants us to remember these things. He wants us to remember these things and trust in him that he can do those things for us again. So, God, as I just reviewed the children through the 40 years of wilderness, God had led his people through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And now, God would lead his people, as he had promised so long ago, he was now going to lead his people through, the, through Joshua's leadership into the promised land all right so let's pick up verses 14 to 17 of chapter 3 it starts right there before chapter 4 page 210 tells the story of going across so when the people broke camp to cross the jordan the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them now the jordan is at flood stage all during harvest yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes the presence of God, they went way ahead of the people. It was about a kilometer ahead of the people. And the moment their feet stepped into the Jordan River, the waters, which were at flood stage, so you've seen the pictures on TV of flooding, the waters which were at flood stage stopped flowing so they could cross through so 
this wasn't a drought. There, uh, there's no way to rationally explain this away. It's a miracle of God. Because many people try to explain away these events. The waters were at flood stage, and that's pointed out to show us that this is a miracle of God. And now the people crossed through. Just like the Red Sea, God parted the Jordan River so that the people could cross over. Now notice, the whole nation crossed over. All the people. You remember what we learned last week with the Day of Atonement? The sins of all the people were confessed onto the head of that goat. All the people. So you have to remember, they thought communally before individually. They thought first and as a people, first and foremost, they thought communally above individually. So the thinking is, we got to get the whole nation across. Every one of us. All the people. We tend to think a little bit more individually today. Your relationship with God. My relationship with God. Um, one soul at a time. We, we talk about percentages of people in worship, Bible study, and service. And we're, we're thrilled with 50%. If we can get 50% of those, we're thrilled. Let me ask you something. Would God or would Joshua have been thrilled with 50% of the children of Israel making it across the Jordan River? Do you see why? As corny as the whole thing might sound to you, it is so important that we get all of us here on No Excuse Sunday. Or on every Sunday, for that matter. Can we, like them, start thinking a little bit more communally? Where we are looking out for each other. Where we are not satisfied until all of us are on solid ground with our God. So when, when the whole nation had finished crossing over, all right, let's, we're going to read now the, the first seven verses of chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So when the whole nation finished crossing, God, the, Lord had, the Lord had Joshua choose 12 men, one from each tribe. So they weren't just from the tribe of Levi. These were 
regular guys from every tribe and go right to the middle of the riverbed, right where uh, the priests were standing with the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, take, and take 12 stones, one each, probably as large as they could carry on their shoulder, and carry them up out of the river to, the, to be a memorial at the place where they were going to camp that night. So those stones were to be a permanent memorial so that when their children asked about the stones, they could tell them of God's powerful deliverance. Now, the, the erection of cairns, C-A-I-R-N-S, cairns, which were huge piles of stones as monuments of remarkable incidents, was, a very, was actually, this has been a very common practice among all peoples, especially in the early periods of their history, in the periods of their history where they're kind of establishing their nation. They were to be the means of preserving the memory of great events, uh, victories in battle, great heroes. This is how they would remember that. Uh, this is how they would preserve that memory. And that was the purpose of these 12 stones at Gilgal, a standing record of God's power and love with this miraculous crossing of the Jordan River. Now, memorial stones are still very important to us today. I know that you'll find them everywhere. There's the statue as you're going down to Niagara, you know, marking the Battle of 1812. Uh, more familiar in my memory right now, my family and I went to Washington, D.C. this summer. Good thing I guess we didn't go, go now, right? We went to Washington, D.C. this summer. This is a city filled with memorial stones. The Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial, the Washington Monument, the Korean War Memorial, the Vietnam War Memorial, World War II, JFK, MLK. One of the most striking to me, the Iwo Jima Memorial. That's that iconic statue of these men planting that flag on top of that rock on that Japanese island. And it has the, the, the words carved into it, uncommon valor was a common virtue city. It's a city full of memorial stones. What is the purpose of them all? What is the point of them all? S simply, it's one thing. So we might remember. So we might remember uh, this important event, this great battle, what these people did here, what that great hero did there. And being that, you and I don't always have the best memory being that you and I are pretty good at forgetting things, we need some visible reminders. And, and that's why God wanted those 12 stones set up as a memorial. I want you to remember what I've done for you. I want you to remember. Friends, I, I think it's important for us today that we have some visible memorial stones. I think it's important for us today to set up some kind of memorial stone. God has done all these great things for us. But, but isn't it true? We get so caught up with life. We get so busy with life. We get so caught up with life that we forget all about them on a regular basis, which gets us into trouble because we stop trusting. We start thinking that, oh, I've got to do this all by myself because I don't have uh, the God who 
enables people to cross rivers. The God who dies and lives again for me. The God who does everything that needs to be done for me. We forget about that because it's not visibly in front of us. So, you know, I think it would be very helpful for us to have some things to help us remember. What could help us remember? You know, I don't know. It might be different for everybody. I mean, there should be a purpose besides home decor for putting a cross or a, a Bible passage on your wall. Maybe... Maybe it'd be good to frame your baptismal certificate and put that up somewhere where you can remember. I mean, if if countries, if our nations spend millions of dollars setting up these grand, permanent kind of memorials of historical events so that we, the people, might remember, don't you think it's maybe important for us to maybe set some some visible things up, some visible reminders up where we live. Number one, to help us remember. And two, to show other people where we stand. Right? That, that same thing that's going to help you remember is going to show other people what you're about. And three, and this is the one that's in the text, to teach our children. To teach our children. Those 12 men were chose, those 12 men who were chosen were to tell their children when their children asked them what did those stones mean that they have a powerful God who loves them and who saved them. I mean, even children far too young to read are going to see that strange pile of stones and ask. And when they ask, we need to tell them, God is powerful. Look what he can do. Our God saves us. Look how he crossed us over from death to life. Friends, we need to be teaching our children. If if there is no visible evidence in our homes of God's power and grace, our children are never going to ask or care If we can't answer for our children what those stones mean, they're going to conclude it doesn't matter. If we can't pass on to our children, to our descendants after us, what God used someone to pass on to us, how will they ever get to know him? Whether it's making a pile of rocks or just sitting down and reading the Bible to them. We need to be teaching our children. And if you don't have children, I'm guessing there's someone who looks up to you who you can be teaching and mentoring. Dropping them off at Sunday school is a great start. That's that's part of it. But what we do at homes, what we do in our homes, is going to make the difference. Follow along. Let's go 8 to 11. Verses 8 to 11. So, the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. 
The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. So the priests, carrying the ark of the covenant, which symbolized the presence of God, stood firm right there in the middle of the Jordan River during all of this, while all of this happened, while everyone is crossing over. Rock-solid faith. But notice there, the people hurried over. Now, maybe they, maybe they were be just being nice to the priests who had to stand there holding the Ark of the Covenant. That's a possibility. A lot, of, a lot of commentators suggest. But why do you think they were hurrying over? How many of you ever stood up on that, that glass floor on top of the CN Tower? Anyone ever done that? When you do that, do you, do you just kind of nonchalantly stand on... I know Paul's smiling, because I know your story. You just stand there, or do you kind of hurry over, right? You know it's going to... You know you can stand on it. Elephants can stand on it, okay? But um, I myself hurried over that glass floor. I was not going to stand on there any more than about two seconds. Um, here's what I think was going on here. They believed, but doubted. Right? They, they believed, but doubt. We've seen this before. Matthew 28. The women were hurrying away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Or later, at the end of the chapter 28, the disciples on the mountain with Jesus worshipped him, but some doubted. Or the, or the man pleading to Jesus, um, I do have faith, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. They believed, but doubted. They believed that God was going to get them across that river safely. But they were standing in the middle of a riverbed at flood stage. So they hurried over. But I don't suppose any of us can relate to this, right? We don't do this, do we? No, I think we know exactly uh, what this is like. We believe, but we doubt. We believe that God has saved us but we better just help him out a little bit, right? We better, we better hurry across a little bit to help him out. Um, God has told me that he has made everything right between him and me. But yeah, I better help him out a little bit by doing all of these things so that I can be a good person, right? I better hurry across, help him out a little bit. Or God, God promised that he's going to make everything work for my good. What, no matter what we call good or bad, God's going to make it all work for my good. And, and we believe him. But we better, we better help him out a little bit. And besides, I like to be in control of things. So I got this. I'll ask God to help. I will ask God to help when I see the water start coming down, when I start losing control of things. But up till now it's good. Or this one, um, God says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, right? When, when, we, when we seek God first in our lives, when that is first, God promises, I will provide everything else you need. And, and we believe him, but, we better, but I better hurry across a little bit. I, I'm going to work around the clock, even if it means mission, worship, and Bible study, because I got to make sure that I can make ends meet. So I better 
hurry across and help God with his promise. The more that I hurry, the less that I trust in him. The more that water starts crashing down, the faster I have to run. Wouldn't it be better to trust in God completely and walk slowly across in confidence? Friends, when you and I are running across the river because we're not quite sure that God is going to save us, isn't it helpful to look off to our side and see friends standing there firmly in their faith because they got the presence of God with them. They they are connected to the presence of God, which is giving them strength. Doesn't just their example help strengthen us? May we be not like the children of Israel running across the river. May we be like those priests. May you and I be like those priests standing firmly right in the middle of that river, firmly in our faith, remaining connected to God's presence and his promises like they were with that Ark of the Covenant, giving strength to our brothers and sisters around us. I think we can draw example from those priests to be ones that will calm those around us as you know, the walls of the river and stuff look frightening. May we be like those priests who stay connected to God's presence so that we can give strength to our brothers and sisters. Verses 12 to 18, let's, let's, let's go on. Let's hear the rest of it. The men of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. Those were the ones, they were going to, those two and a half tribes were going to go over, help them conquer the land, and then they're going to go back and live with their families on the other side of the river. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they, delivered, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. God made two things very clear here. Number one, this was a miracle. The moment the, the feet of those priests stepped out of the Jordan River, it flowed back at flood stage. Okay? This, this was not, don't explain it away with some, well, maybe it was really dry. Um, this is an act of God, plain and simple. Second thing God made very clear here, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. So right here on the plains of Jericho, near the Jordan River, God made it very clear to all his people that Joshua was the divinely appointed leader he sent and they should listen to him because he was the one God would use to save them and lead them into the promised land. All right? And then finishing it off, 19 and 24. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that had taken out of the, they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. 
The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So on the 10th day of the first month, they entered the promised land. Big deal alert. Big deal alert. You remember the sermon from a couple weeks ago? Paul's sermon? On what day of what month were they to select their Passover lamb? Tenth day of the first month. So 40 years later, to the very day they began preparing for their exodus from Egypt, they entered the promised land. On the very day they would begin their celebration of the 40th Passover. Only this time they would be celebrating it in the promised land at a camp called Gilgal. Now the word Gilgal means the rebuke has been rolled away. So 40 years of spiritual defeat and failure have been rolled away. This was the dawn of a great new beginning. The, the days of the days of uh, rebellious refusal to respond to God under Moses were gone. Uh, complaining was over. Hopelessly wandering about in the wilderness was past them, behind them. They were now a, a people with, a, with, with new hope and a, and a powerful new sense of purpose, determined to take new territory with God. Friends, can, can we look back at monumental occasions in our lives that, that stand out as times that God changed our direction and that, that God gave us new hope or a whole new sense of purpose? Times where God uh, made us strong to, to act boldly in faith or, or times that, that, he, that, he, that He gave us the strength to step into the unknown and take new territory for God. Those 12, the monument of 12 stones was to serve as a visible reminder for God's people. First, to teach our children who God is and what He's done. And secondly, so that, as it says, all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. So that we might all know about God. We want to see Jesus, right? So where's Jesus in all this? Where's Jesus? Well, 14 centuries later, a carpenter named Joseph and a virgin named Mary traveled to Bethlehem. And while they were there, they had a baby whom they placed in the manger. One who would be the savior of the whole world. And they named him Joshua, one who saves. But because most people were speaking Greek by that time, you might know him a little bit better by his Greek name. Jesus, one who saves. And he was going to be the savior of the world. He was going to save all people from the rebellion of sins and lead them in the promised land of heaven. In choosing Joshua 
to be one who saves and one who delivers delivers uh, his people into the promised land of Canaan, God was making a down payment on the promise that, um, that he had made that he would bless all nations through the offspring of Israel. And, and so 14 centuries later, Jesus himself walked into the land of Canaan as well, and not very far from that spot where those 12 stones would have been set up at Gilgal, on the plains of Jericho, he would be baptized in the waters of the Jordan, showing that he was, that as the sinless Lamb of God, he was willing to be counted a sinner so that you and I could be washed clean. And on that very day, right there, just like Joshua, in the same spot, God also made it very clear to all people that this was his divinely appointed one. This was the one God sent, and that everyone should listen to him as he said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And like Joshua, Jesus also chose 12 men, starting right there from the Jordan. He chose 12 men to be witnesses of all that he was going to do. 12 men to carry out the message that God has saved us. And like Joshua, Jesus began his act of saving on the 10th day of the first month as he rode his donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And like Joshua, Jesus, who was also establishing a new kingdom, chose 12 men to record in a permanent way the mighty act of salvation that God has done for us with words, not stones. And he also gave them, Jesus also gave them a permanent way to memorialize and remember what he has done for all of us. He gave them bread to eat and wine to drink through which he gave them and us his body and blood so that we might remember that God has forgiven us of all of our sins through Jesus' body and blood. That he has forgiven all of our sins with his life, death, and resurrection. And that memorial is here to this day. And like Joshua, Jesus chose 12 men not to set up stones, but to be stones in this world for all to see and hear. You might remember that Simon was given the name Peter, a name meaning rock, because of his rock-solid confession of faith. And it is on that rock, that confession of faith, which all 12 of them shared, that Jesus was going to build his church, which was going to last forever for all to see and hear, so that we might know and remember what God has done for us. And that memorial is here to this day. So Joshua chose 12 men to set up 12 stones to witness to the world what God had done to save them. Jesus chose 12 men to be stones to witness to the world 
what God has done for us. And that's why Peter, writing in his first letter in chapter 2, said that we are to be living stones. And what what do living stones do? They declare the praises of God. Just like a memorial. They declare the praises of God so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. So that we might know. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.